Okay, go. You're listening to the Debatable Podcast hosted by Greg Sedashny. It's available for streaming and download at debatablepodcast.tumblr.com and on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at DebatablePod and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash debatablepodcast. Greg also co-hosts All the Pieces Matter along with Fernando Madrigal. All the Pieces Matter is a retrospective podcast on HBO's The Wire. It's available for streaming and download at wirepod.tumblr.com and on iTunes. Find All the Pieces Matter on Twitter at wire underscore podcast and like the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wirepodcast. Last but not least, you can always find Debatable and All the Pieces Matter anytime at actionagogo.com. So please, check out our sites on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Tumblr. Check us out on the street if you see us there. Leave us questions, comments, feedback. And if you're up to it, rate and review us on iTunes. We really like that. And hey, let your friends know about us. But above all, enjoy today's show. Thanks for listening. That's great. That's great. Thanks.
I do actually gave me enough time to rewatch it again. So, so it's super fresh in your mind. Oh, very, fr- very fresh. <laughs> so fresh and so clean. <laughs> well, it's been it's been a while, man. You were on like I, God two wow. episodes back to back. Like I feel like it was like within months of each other. It was. I, I yeah, that was what like two, two years, years ago, ago? <laughs> something like that. Holy shit! I know. Well, actually, yeah, it's funny too because when I when we realized when when I jumped on. Um, a Criterion cast episode because of the whole dynamic changed right. in the last couple of years. And uh, when when they were like, oh, we want you on for Dress to Kill, I'm like, of course, I'll do that one. And I, you know, we made it a different day and all this shit. And then when we were on, I'm, they're like, well, when, when were you on last? And I was like thinking about it <laughs> on, on Criterion cast. It was like a year and a half. Yeah, prior like to an it, actual, right? Yeah, an actual like episode was like 2013. And I'm yeah. like, holy shit. Like, yeah, man. What, Though, but I mean, that's a multitude of reasons, you know. Yeah, everything in a way. Exactly, everything gets in the way. I I remember you moving. You were living with your parents for a little bit, right? Yeah, that and you know the big breakup. Right, the big yeah. You know, thing life changes, man. That's what happens. Yeah, it was like all at once. It was kind of like that actually because then I thought about it. I'm like, oh yeah, 2013. That's that was like the transition like time. I, I was like, oh. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that's where my my life got uh, turned upside down. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I think you were one of the first people that I asked to be on the program too. And this is now this is um, we're recording this. I don't know when this is exactly going to come out, but we just right. yesterday the 30th anniversary. We've been doing this for three years, which that's is crazy. insane, man. Because I remember talking to you very early on. I was like. I was so like all, all all the people that we really consider like our 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 circle of friends, our circle of of film geeks. Yeah, I was really like admiring you guys, especially the Criterion cast guys, and you too. I was like really you know excited to have you on, and now I feel like you know I feel like I've known you for for a while now, and that we can at least talk on <laughs> similar levels, oh. on even levels now. Oh, de- no, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I mean, like you know. It, but but I I even thought that back then because I never I'm the type of person I never go what well I must know more right. than this person because I can't ever assume that and even when I maybe do right I'd rather share the knowledge as opposed because I I know a lot of film geeks that are like the worst, so like yeah. harsh oh yeah you, you know what I mean that oh, are yeah. just like oh I know all this so I'm yeah. better than you it's like shut, really? shut the gate to everyone else you know not about like uh, inclusive things, just exclusive. This is an exclusive club. You got to stay out, you know? Right, right. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, with the whole, you know, GGTMC thing. Right. Where, you know, 99% of the time, it is like that. It's like, yeah. oh, look at this movie I just watched. And then everyone's just like, holy crap, what's that? Or like, oh, yeah, I love that movie. And even when you get someone like, oh, I really don't like that movie, but I can understand why you like it. Right. It's like, oh. Wow, that's what you want from. That's the community you want. You want like even if people are like, "Oh man, you're behind the times," or "Oh yeah, I yeah. saw that a long time ago." They're extremely respectful of people's like opinions and like discovering things for themselves for the first time. Oh, definitely, absolutely. Okay, well, listen, I had you on before because I, I wanted to pick your your marvelous brain brain on that. So let's talk yeah. about. Something new. We're doing a, a series right now 
on Debatable called My Favorite Films, and these are movies that kind of shaped me at certain points in my life. Uh, the first yeah. three movies were definitely movies that were on heavy rotation when I was a kid. Um, but this one that we're going to talk about today, Antonio Bird's um, Ravenous from 1999, this is a movie that I saw in high school, and it's got, it's got a very unique uh, benchmark in my life. So there's a reason why it's part of this series, and I was trying to you know put it out, put it out a wide net, cast a wide net, see who uh, would be interested in talking about this. And James, you jumped at it. Oh yeah, You're, of course I did. You like this movie? Like is is a very subtle word for it. I I, I really love this movie. It's, it's it's one of those films that you know was like you said, 1999. You know, m- myself, I was 19 at the time, and right. I was in college and. I heard about this film coming out, you know, I was like, oh, it's okay, cool. It's the guy from L.A. Confidential and uh-huh. the guy from, you know, Trainspotting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, and, and that was like the hook to me. Like, I was like, I need to go see this. This sounds really cool. And I remember being like one of like maybe five people in the theater in here in New York City. And I was like, I just fell in love with it. But like other people were like, oh, that movie sucks. Or because I think... I always look at this film as way ahead of its time. Oh yeah, like it almost—it's almost like out of time because you—you you, you know, we'll we'll talk more about it. But it's—it's mm-hmm. it's, it, it somehow balances that fine line between darkly humorous and really freaking scary. Yeah, at points, and like that's kind of what I love about it because you—you're getting one type of movie and then you're getting something else, and it's so multi-layered. And then, of course, you know, years go by, and then you know, reading more about it and a lot of the behind-the-scenes troubles right. of like in the beginning of this film. Which, when I found that out, like you know, especially when I was getting into the Criterion Collection and like stuff like the you know, it was supposed to be directed by. Um, Milcho Michevsky. Yeah, yeah. yeah, who did Before the Rain, right. which is an amazing film. But it, but it's weird because then it ties into your love for The Wire because I know he directed yeah. one episode of that. Yeah. Like, you know, like I remember him directing like a big episode. I forgot right. which one he directed. I forget, but, I forget myself. Yeah, but it's, but it's bizarre that I'm like, wow, he just left after three weeks. And then Antonio Bird, you know, sadly, who passed away mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, like did – a wonderful job with this yeah film. she had six days she came yeah. on and she had like less than a week to get ready for it i read this um fantastic article you know i was still putting together this idea and i was looking for i'm always looking for like not just the behind the scenes stuff but what like what the, what is the full picture of a production and so many of these movies that we're doing in this series uh, at least two or three of them don't have a lot of stuff out there. You can't really find out a lot. Um, but luckily this movie has uh, a few commentaries on the discs. And also there was this great article that Andrew Parker wrote, uh, March of last year, which was kind of a, um, you know, uh, reevaluation on its anniversary of ravenous and kind of talking about its production, this really troublesome production. Um, that's pretty amazing. I mean, Manchevsky, uh, in that article, at least from, from, 
his research that he did. Uh, I think he used an Entertainment Weekly uh, article and uh, a, a um, like a, a producer's interview about how Manchevsky was. And apparently, from from that side of it, from the producer side of it, the Hollywood side of it, that he was really freewheeling. He had been getting yeah. uh, awards. He was really kind of egotistical about it. He wanted the the studio to to pay for things, pay for his parking tickets, pay for a car to take him around. Um, and and as it ended up, I feel like uh, part of his his problem that got him fired off the film was was ego related. And then on the other side of it, Manchevsky's opinion is that uh, that Hollywood was uh, well at least Fox two. I this was Fox two thousand then, yes. right? It was branded yep. as that. Um, <clears throat> was saying that. That Fox was really trying to put too much, um, trying to trying to fool around too much. They wanted more, you know. Like uh, uh, it was a Ziskin was the uh, executive of Fox mm-hmm. 2000 at the time. Yeah, Laura Ziskin. Yeah. Right. She wanted uh, she wanted close ups of David Arquette and stuff like that, <laughs> like like things that were just beyond kind of like uh, the artistic uh, point of the movie. But I guess Manchevsky is the one who uh, did make those early decisions that Bird took over for, including the yeah. cast and where they ended up shooting. Oh, yeah, like so Slovakia. And Prague, yeah. Prague, you know, and then and then ultimately, like, also in uh, Mexico, too. Yeah. Which, yeah, you, it, you could tell the budget being $12 million, it, it's there on camera, even though a lot of this stuff is very small, like, within the little, like, you know, area right. and the cave, you know, but... When you see like the out the outside shots and like them just walking, it's like it's beautifully done and oh, yeah. yeah, the money is like there. But yeah, like it's it's crazy to think like um, the screenwriter Ted Griffin had to be be at hand to keep re- rewriting yeah. the script because yeah, it yeah. had to keep changing due to both sides battling. Oh yeah, then, like, I mean you know, wanting it, to change from the simplest thing of of the weather being the hottest in uh, in Slovakia that it was supposed to be like I think they shot it both in Slovakia and the Czech Republic and yeah. they were supposed to have this wonderful snowstorm that was supposed to kind of you know give this element of of uh, a certain type of Sierra Nevadas type western but of course it didn't snow so it even in January it was you know, the grass was green it was warm weather um, and they had to deal with that they had to write that in that's why when boyd shows up early to the uh, fort at the beginning of the movie it's it's not snowy uh till like halfway through the movie um before we get into to all of that let's talk real quick about um i always like to talk about how i saw it and how this kind of shaped me why is it part of my favorite films um this is a movie – so whenever I talk to my friend Fernando about this, I, I co-host the, the Wire mm-hmm. podcast with him. Um, whenever I talk to Fernando about movies that he's discovered, those are the movies that he considers his favorite movies, the movies that he kind of stumbled upon that he didn't hear anything about prior to. He didn't even know anything about it uh, right. and that he just so happened to wa- watch it on a whim and turns out to be a fantastic movie. For him, that movie is Groundhog Day. He he stumbled upon that. He uh, discovered it like on cable, and that's the movie that he fell in love with because he had never heard of it. For me, it's Ravenous because it's a movie that I knew nothing about. It's funny that you say that you saw it in the theater because I I didn't know anything about it until I saw it late night on a, on like an on HBO at like two mm. in the morning. And uh, let's see, nineteen ninety nine. I must have been a junior in high school. 
Oh, wow. So, nice. you know, I'm just like fucking around, futzing around, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, what's this movie? Oh, Guy Pierce. Yes, I know that. W- I know him from LA Confidential. He's an interesting guy. When I saw LA Confidential, I was like, who is this one no name guy in this, you know, line of stars? Who is this guy? And he turned out to be quite a good actor in that movie. So I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I knew uh, Robert Carlyle, I think, from the Full Monty at the time. Okay. Um, yeah, that was like a, a couple of years before, right? Right. It, that that was his big breakout. I didn't even see Train Spotting until probably my senior year of high school. So I, even after R- Ravenous, Ravenous was my my real endpoint with Robert Carlyle. No. So yeah, this is the movie that I I think that's what it is. You know, it, it, it was discovering it and not knowing anything about it, and it was a movie that because of its mix of humor, its mix of of, of really grotesque horror. And, and kind of cannibalism and the and the vampire tale in it, but also I think I even picked up on it then because I grew up on a steady diet of spaghetti westerns that I could feel the the music and the style of it. Even the opening credits are so Leone, so Morricone. Oh, yeah. So that's what I kind of latched onto, and I became obsessed with this movie throughout high school and college. Whenever people, I, people that I went to uh, film school with, um, I, I'm still surprised that uh, they didn't know about it. But it, I, it would be my number one pick that I would always recommend to people, and I kind of turned a lot of people onto this movie because of that. <clears throat> Do you remember how? Were you, were you so you had a similar feeling? You said when you saw it in the theater, you were also recommending it to people. People oh, thought yeah. that that it sucked and whatever you were saying. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like people, you know, friends that like, you know, were were supposedly film, you know, worldly. And when I would talk, oh, oh have you seen this movie Ravenous? They're like, oh, that looks like a stupid movie. Like oh, a man. lot of times, I think they didn't even see the film. Right. And like. You know, like the box, you know, when it finally came out of VHS and DVD, like, oh, uh, that looks stupid. Like, right. it, like and, and I have to I have to agree with the box art over the years. Oh, all yeah. the posters and box oh, yeah. art have always been awful. Like, Horribly I guess, marketed this movie. Horribly. Awful. And I mean, and that's probably a big reason, like one of the reasons why it failed, because when I look at some of the posters and then when finally Screen Factory put it out, even even the, oh, the yeah. artwork, uh, oh, like yeah. the heads, yeah. I, I mean, it's like. What is this? Yeah. But, but you know, of course, it's more than that. And and it's one of those films like you, when someone asks, oh, give me a film that nobody else knows about right. that, that I should watch. And I would – this would be one of like five films. I'd be like, oh, Ravenous. Oh, what's that? And, yeah. and then I'd explain it real quick like without ruining it for, for them because I'd rather hear about – and most people when they actually did watch it would be like, oh, my god. James, thank thank you for uh-huh. yeah, yeah. sharing that film with me because I would have never watched it because I saw what it looked you know the box art and it looked like I didn't oh, know it what it was about. Looks like dog you know? shit. I'm telling you. Yeah, no, exactly. It looks like a straight. That's the thing. Ultimately, it kind of looks like a straight to DVD, and I and I love straight to DVD films, but nine times out of ten, then there's nothing to them. Right. And this film is so multi layered. Oh and- yeah, it aspires for a lot more than that box art or that or oh. that poster. Oh yeah, and and it's funny too because when when I when I saw this film, it was around the same time I believe that I saw Cannibal the Musical. Oh great! <laughs> and and also like you know this is loosely based on the yeah. Alfred Packer story. Yeah. And and then when I finally like I I 
put two and two together, and it was really funny. I would start doing double features nice. of this and Canberra the Musical. Nice. And, and I would just, depending on the crowd, I'd play Ravenous first and then Cannibal. Right. Or I'd play Cannibal first and then Ravenous and then see how people would react. And how it was always funny. To, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And people would always like be laughing. And then I would notice it would be better with Cannibal first and Ravenous because then people would be laughing more at yeah. the funny parts in Ravenous. But yeah. then really shocked when it's like something that like especially you know when carlisle what you know his, his uh colonel calhoun, ives yeah calhoun, colonel, oh, yeah, calhoun. calhoun or colonel ives starts to do that weird dance yes and, yes and uh, to that like re-watching it for the i don't know like the 50th time today it yeah it still gets me every time when i see him doing that dance i'm like do you see the madness in his eyes and yeah. i'm like that's why carlisle Everything I see him in, he's fantastic. Even he if kills, it's a, yeah. if, if, even if it's dog shit, yeah, he's great. Yeah, you he's know? great. He's one of those actors that you you plug him into anything, uh, and he can actually you know uh, ascend the work. It, whether he whether the film moves with him up <laughs> is the well, question. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. And and actually, it's funny because I, you know, my girlfriend now, I I had assumed that she had seen this. Right. And last night I was like talking about doing the podcast with you today and and she's like oh that's great what are you doing it on i'm like oh ravenous she goes wait and she looks at me and i'm like what she's like oh i thought that movie's shitty and and, and, and circle i'm like oh my god no it's fantastic so i reminded her today and she's like maybe i should watch i'm like you know what watch it without me and then we'll discuss it right too because because that's what's great about her because like she's seen a lot of films but a lot a lot of like films that i i would assume that she's seen she hasn't and when 99 percent of the time we're like kismet you know we're, yeah. we're like on the same level so i think this is one of those films she's gonna watch and be like why haven't i why have i sat on this film but i think it is again going back again you know the same reason like oh i thought it was something completely different right Right. You, you, you get exposed to these things. I think a lot of it, especially from our generation and, and when this came out, um, so much is based on – because the internet was prevalent, but it certainly wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And so much I feel like was based on the marketing. So much was based on, oh, that poster looked interesting. Oh, that director directed that. Or, oh, it's got that person in it. So, so much of it. I like that you do focus on the – comedy of it because i think if you don't go in there being on the wavelength that there's a a certain level of satire or a certain level of of a tongue-in-cheek really dark humor in this then you're really going to not know um you're not going to be ready for the tonal shifts that are like so present in this let's um let's give a quick synopsis do you want to quarterback this or do you want me to try to work through a, a quick synopsis of this movie i mean how do you feel i mean i mean hell i mean the the imdb like one is actually kind of pretty kind of a great little simple thing yeah yeah because what well, like it's you know basically captain john boyd who's played by guy pierce uh-huh. promotion stations him at a fort where a rescued man tells a disturbing tale of cannibalism that's the simplest way you Perfect. can describe it without ruining anything right. so if, if you know if anyone has you know listening to your podcast doesn't want anything spoiled anything spoiled watch, watch the film because you know really like in the first half hour actually you know i mean rewatching again this little thing and again it's really cleverly done especially like 
Like I was really like smiling ear to ear with the flashback stuff right. with what Calhoun talks about and how it shot so well that, you know, the first time I didn't notice it, but like, of course, you know, many times since where you never see him in, in the flashback. Exactly. Exactly. And it, and that's like one of the great things about this film, like the editing. Also, actually, also well James, feel yeah. free to spoil this. We're going to, oh. we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go at it. We're going <laughs> to oh, talk yeah, about got, everything. You're gonna go deep. We're gonna go deep into Ravitas. Please, yeah. <laughs> please, if you guys, if you guys have not watched it, watch this, and then we're gonna talk about it because I think there's elements to this story that um, that we can't like stay away from. We're not gonna do kind right. of a a shallow review of it. I feel like yeah, the, the, this part of this um, kind of uh, parallel story structure, at least at the beginning, the real two characters that you're gonna uh, meet are uh, John Boyd, the the guy Pierce character, and uh, Calhoun who uh, were introduced to uh, Robert Carlyle's character, Calhoun, who ends up being Colonel Ives. Now, the one thing I wanted to bring up that's very interesting about this, and we've also on this uh, this series talked about uh, some movies with with great ensemble casts. Um, We also talked about Sneakers from 1992. That's a great one too, yeah. But this one, I mean, I talk about, uh, you know, this movie being fronted by two leading actors, but I think that without these character actors under them or around them, that the world is not as rich as it is. Like, so we, we talk about this taking place in that time period, the Alfred Packer, the, um, the uh, what was the, um, the doomed... Uh, trip the oh um, the um Donner Party the Donner right? Party Donner exactly Party. yes yeah so there are all these elements of of folklore American folklore that's built into kind of this cannibalistic tale of manifest destiny you know trying to move west but you know your wagon train goes uh, goes awry and you get stuck somewhere and all of a sudden you don't have any food and people die and all of a sudden you're thinking huh you know huh that over there well, maybe I could sustain a little while longer if I give it give it a little bite into it. Yeah, um, just a bite. A bite will just, be a bite. just a taste. <laughs> <laughs> just a taste. Um, but yeah, with these two parallels, uh, uh, Boyd is a disgraced um, uh, soldier. Uh, he was in the Mexican-American War, which are uh, part of his flashbacks. Um, he was a coward, um, but he did manage to overcome the, these centuries um, while hiding out kind of in a death cart <laughs> of uh, oh, yeah. dead bodies. And he and it's interesting in that point to, to talk about how Boyd did uh, – he, he did have uh, a blood going down his throat like his commanding officer. Officer, so he did have this taste, this Wendigo myth of of, of becoming uh, stronger and and almost you know uh, uh, superhuman because he was you know taking from you know human meat or human tissue. Oh yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing; it's so well done. And then when when he's you know the dinner scene in the beginning oh, and my God. the yeah. steak, and he's looking at the steak. <laughs> He's looking at everyone just devouring these steaks, and he's just getting sick. Well, you know how it. horrible it is to look at a uh, bloody piece of meat when it's like 103 degrees outside sometimes. Oh, I've, <laughs> I, I've, had, I've had barbecue like you know, in Florida. It's bad. Yeah. It's disgusting. But yeah, but I love that because he – but again, like you said, I, I think it's both that he you know, went through this horrible experience yeah. and – he saw these dead people, and that's reminding him of this. You know, the yeah, stakes are reminding yeah, yeah. him of that. But it is also like he has the hunger. He yes. has the hunger for human 
and something human, like yeah. you know, mm-hmm. be it blood to you know meat, like and the steak won't be sufficient enough, right, for him. And that's right from the get go. So right away, you go, you know, it's it. But again, it's almost comical because he's just like looking around, and it's like quick cuts, and yeah, it's great. And then like, I think what John Spencer plays the. Uh, the yeah, colonel Slauson, uh, no Gen- General Slauson. Oh, General, right? Yeah. So, and I love John Spencer. Like, oh, he's fantastic. Time, yeah, the, the, another one that passed away too too soon, and I think he for a while now, right? Like, yeah, like during during the West Wing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Right. Oh my God, that was in that thing. That's crazy. Yeah, that, I think that was it? the last thing he did. But I mean, like this, you know, I'm glad that you bring it up because, yeah, this movie is so enriched by its character actors and this this ensemble cast. Uh, David Arquette, small character mm-hmm. in there is Cleves. Jeremy Davies, who turns in oh. a superb performance as Toffler, oh, yes. the um, the kind of the uh, preacher of the group. Yes, the quiet preacher, the like, qu- very nervous. <laughs> the quiet. Yeah, I love it. Except when he gets hurt and he's like, bourbon, now! I love it. Yeah, like, he's trying to eat me! Yeah, I love it. He's got some of the best line reads. Uh, Jeffrey Jones, oh. good old fa- <laughs> a fan favorite in many ways. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into it. We won't, we won't get into the, the background. We- <laughs> Sadly, you know. Colonel, <laughs> as Colonel Hart, uh, John Spencer, General Slauson, uh, Stephen Spinella as uh, as Knox, the uh, yes. the drunk doctor, Neil McDonough as Private Reich, the hardcore superhuman soldier. Which is funny that his name is Reich, yeah, and like blonde hair, <laughs> yeah. like he's, you know, he's Aryan. an Aryan, yeah, he's an Aryan dude. <laughs> and, and yeah, no, just like this great cast, you got the the uh, two that are playing um, the natives, Joseph Running Fox and Sheila Towsey. Um, oh, yeah. which are great. You know, just having oh, yeah. the, these elements of, of that make it feel like a real like California fort, that it's not just white men, but you do have that native, you know, influence because they're the ones that really, uh, George, uh, especially the, the um, brother, is the one who kind of brings this Wendigo myth up to heart about it. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the great cast that, that rounds it out. And um, yeah, man, I, I feel like, you know, this kind of story is enriched by that because, I mean, Boyd is obviously the disgraced soldier. He's kind of sent to, uh, you know, the the Alaska, <laughs> uh, what, what Alaska would be in this time period, um, to the furthest reaches of the world. Send him to some fort out in uh, California with uh, these very interesting characters around him. And um, they're all kind of surprised when this uh, this guy just wanders into their camp was he was he hurt or was he just like malnourished and 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 like starving i forget yeah he was like malnourished like and and right the beginnings of frostbite right so like when they saw when boyd saw him outside he thought he was like freaking out from his flashbacks but he actually was there and they all go outside and they find him and they warm you know they warm him up and that you know yeah calhoun you know who looks I mean, like, that's the thing. Right from there, he looks, like, pale yeah. because he hasn't eaten in a while. Yeah, and I thought and you were going to say that the, the Jesus illusion is big time. When he's, oh. like, in that tub and they're cleaning him. Oh, they're washing his feet yeah. and, you know, his, his arms. But And then, of course, you know, we see, like, he's just, like, basically he just came off the cross. Right, right. You know. And it's all, all is me- it's all meant to be. And know? all this is not what it seems. Uh, certainly, the, the the horror and kind of where this this leads is to to kind of a, a 
cannibalistic smorgasbord uh, uh, betrayal. Um, there's these elements, though. This this movie is, you know, quite subtle with with some of its themes about westward expansion and about mm-hmm. um, how it how it handles uh, maybe its opinion of military. Kind of like the the military is not necessarily painted in a great light even at this time period. No, it's not. I mean, this is soon after when Texas became part of America, so that's why, you know, Boyd actually still wears the uh, Texas Army uniform. Right. Which is also a very subtle thing, which at the time, you know, when I first saw it, I didn't didn't see that. I was like, oh, he's in a a different uniform. But, and yeah, the Army, basically the Army was kind of a mess because this is also, you know, right before the civil war mm-hmm. yes you know, yeah, yeah. you know we were expanding it was like the gold rush was like starting mm-hmm. to come because eight, you know 1849 you right. know so so like all these elements were coming to a head in in our country and yeah it's it that stuff is like very subtle like it, you know we see like should we you know and then of course the native the native americans you know they're both kind of like trying to live with us but at the same time, trying to warn us, yes, and like the, right. the whole Wendigo, you mm-hmm. know, you know, myth. Yeah, and of course, I'm, you know, being a Marvel nerd, I know Wendigo from the Wolverine comic right. books, but right. that's a whole other character. Right. But, but yeah, the Wendigo myth is really horrific, and oh, yeah. you know, it's not even just like the, they they went into the basics, but yeah, it's like you're basically taken over to the point where you don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah, you just you, feed. Exactly. You get to this point where you're where you're like a vampire. You just need yeah. to feed. And this element that uh, that it, it it makes you superhuman. It completes you. If you're mortally wounded, it will heal yeah. you. It's it's got a lot of elements of this kind of Christian mythology. Even when uh, George is talking about Wendigo, you know, eat eat part of the human and everything. And Hart says you do this every Sunday because you eat the the yeah. the. the, the uh, the the flesh of Christ right. uh, at, at church. So there's these elements of you know a a, a prophet, a, a wandering prophet coming into this camp. But he, you know, in this case, is kind of this um, this uh, not just a betrayal, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of just this this perversion of what a a prophet would be. He turns out to be the devil. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, it, it goes throughout the movie. There's this this idea of Boyd being reborn. It's the idea of people die and get reborn as kind of uh, almost zombies or or, uh, or vampires. And of course at the end with uh, Calhoun slash Colonel Ives, he's really Colonel Ives, uh, yeah. turning out to be having that having that Charlie Manson cross of blood on his uh, forehead. <laughs> so the, the, yeah, this theme like runs through it and uh, Manifest Destiny is a big thing of it. It's a very um, it's a very critical satire of, of kind of... Um, westernized even i would say caucasian man uh you know moving moving yeah. west um and that i mean and also the whole thing with you know civilized yeah are we yeah. civilized like yes what's, what's like, civilized exactly what what civilization like mm-hmm. oh we're eating people but mm-hmm. isn't this isn't it civilized it's <laughs> exactly like, well i guess because you're you're the ones on top you know i do love that the thing that you screen capped online earlier, <laughs> what, what was it? Uh, suicidal ambition. ambition. Yeah. There's this whole speech that uh, Robert Carlyle gives when he does finally come back to the camp as Colonel Ives. 
and you get this great um, picture that's that's painted about his past that he had tuberculosis, yeah. he couldn't take a deep breath, and uh, as soon as he partook in uh, in human flesh, uh, I think he said like within three months or whatever, it was cleared yeah. up. Right. I mean, it's one of those things. It's kind of crazy, but you know, if that if that was the case, like if that actually if this was all true, if right. eating somebody else was the miracle cure for right. like mortal wounds and disease and oh, cancer yeah. and stuff. I wonder how fast people would be like, well, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, as long as it's not, you know, as, as Carl, you know, as, as I've says, well, we're not going to break up family. Yeah, right? exactly. Which, which is, such, which again, it kind of like makes me think, Oh, you'll just go after the poor. Right. And like the people who don't matter. Right. Like, Oh, the orphans. The, right. The, and it's like the minorities oh yeah yeah exactly. yeah it's crazy like when you think about it but i don't know i i kind of get I, I it's almost like <laughs> it kind of reminds me also of like jonathan swift mm-hmm. and and you know and when he you know just writing about all oh, the rich eat babies yes. and stuff yeah, and yeah. that makes them and it's like no and people believed that at the time yeah because mm-hmm. it was such great satire but i think if like if you if the un and people still believe the onion. I think if the onion wrote an article based on ravenous, but like didn't say it was based on a movie, yeah. but like talked about the healing properties and how people are like, Oh my God, I feel so much better. I bet you a, a good, you know, especially with the internet being so like the mindless drones oh, yeah. of like believing anything you oh, read. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'd be, it'd be really funny to see how fast people are like, Oh yeah. Oh, Oh yeah, go to my doctor. Oh, can you, you you remember you remember yeah. this uh, you remember this article that was going around? I think it or originated on the Onion about uh, how uh, uh, women who swallow semen live longer. Oh. Yep. And and that and there were actual people that were like, man, I'm gonna you know they weren't even joking. They fully believed that shit. Oh, it's science. It's backed yeah. up. No, I, 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 yeah, there were. It's a satirical guys, article, guys. Yeah, there were guys at my, at my job that were saying that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go tell your girlfriend that. that that'll, have fun with that. <laughs> there's, um, there's such an element of like, of, of, like the the movie. Uh, from what I understand, Ted Griffin's original screenplay had a lot more cannibal puns in it. Yeah. But as much as there is in this movie, it's uh, it feels like a good balance. I do like just all these elements, these these references, eat to live, don't live to eat, and you know all the the the, the, the types of things. You know, bon appetit, and they yeah. keep talking, and the and Slauson at the end, you know, uh, uh, taking a, a taste of the stew, and he smiles. He's like, oh, it's pretty good. This is a good stew, yeah. Uh, like just eating a random stew in the camp. Exactly. While Martha's like leaving, she's like, "Goodbye." Um, <laughs> one of those one of those movies that uh, I know that's very popular with the GGTMC is yeah. uh, The Great Silence. Oh yeah, I was actually. It's funny you said that because I was just thinking about that with the snowy yeah. landscape and just the grim, yeah, grimness of the West. Yeah. And yeah, just. It's going to be blood. In you the don't snow. you don't see it a lot because I mean, like as oh. far as the the uh, the Spanish countryside, the Italian westerns that came out, 
they were so based in kind of the southwest of the United States or in Mexico or whatever. So kind of this sun, sun uh, uh, scorched earth and everybody had, you know, a bunch of makeup on to make it look like they were sun scorched themselves. Yes. But to see a movie that's so that's so snowy and so uh, angelic almost in a way, it's it's to, to I guess it's a great contrast to have that kind of beautiful background of these snowy mountains and the snow in fort and i guess you know red blood shows up well on oh. on white snow it's beautiful i mean i'm still amazed that they've never really made a like a good slasher yeah. film in the snow yeah like like something like imagine if like they finally do this friday the 13th remake or mm-hmm. whatever they're doing sequel whatever they want to do but do it at like a ski resort right right and i think it'd be amazing because it'd be jason in a different yeah. setting yeah and just the blood on the snow to me blood yeah blood on snow just always looks so beautiful oh, like yeah. it's oh, yeah. like in a, in a really creepy way but yeah when you think i i really can't think of many films that take advantage of that right especially of this of this kind of subgenre or, or this kind yeah. of like the, the 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 reference that they're trying to make you know i mentioned that that those opening titles they're they're very much i mean uh antonio bird uh references uh once upon a time in the west and they are they're kind of that's that squeaking moving flying in title from once upon a time in the west and uh the music i mean the music is this element of american folk that was yes. popular of the 1800s but there are elements in here uh, that uh, of of uh, of uh, instruments that they play and um, kind of music cues that are so Ennio Morricone. Oh yeah, definitely. Like just, I mean that, and but also because it's like Damon Albarn and mm-hmm. Michael Newman, they're 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 experimenting. Yes, they're it's, experimental. They're, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and like yeah, it's full. Actually, in, in a lot of weird ways, like listening to the you know soundtrack, which I wish they. would Put on vinyl. Yeah. I'm surprised this one hasn't been reissued because yeah. every everything's getting reissued. But but th- this sound like a lot of stuff I've grown to really like within like the the new era of like folk and stuff like bands like Oh Death mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They're more like almost like a punk aesthetic yeah. to the folk. And this is like a precursor to all that. And yeah. yeah, they were they were ahead of of the curve of like what's actually popular within that subgenre now. And it's kind of like mind blowing that, but of course, you know Damon Albarn, you know from Blur and the Gorillas, sure. it makes perfect sense oh, why yeah. he'd yeah. be a big part of that. Oh yeah, well you know going back to the to the idea of how much trouble this production had. I mean, uh, I believe Nyman was on the film when Manchevsky was, and yes. Nyman had like three or four compositions that he made, and then Albarn came in and did like five or six more, and was kind of in charge coming on because he had known Bird, um, and kind of had a good re- working relationship with her. Came in and was kind of yeah was given free reign to kind of you know bend this and kind of rework that and kind of experiment and come up with with these cues that are so much about the tonal shifts of the movie i mean not just the the emotional shifts or the shocks that come in this movie especially i think of that that cue when calhoun shows up it's such a a a deep dark like in a fucking european castle type you know dread that shows up um but yeah no albarn has this this way of that that soundtrack is just um immediately 
uh, visceral. It immediately transports you to the emotion that you should feel. It's not it's not just in a manipulative way either. I feel like no. it's it's really enriching to this type of movie. Yeah, a lot of times it's actually very like the soundtrack is actually almost muted. Yeah. At points and then it starts to slowly like raise and raise and then the that it's almost like it's so loud that it's like you know coming at at you uh-huh. and like it, it but but you could tell it makes sense like they actually thought about it. It's not like some films where the soundtrack could doesn't make any sense for the film and you could just take it out of the film and put something else in and it like it would change it like this to me like even with the two different you know artists just kind of like mashing it together it it all makes sense yes yes you know it's interesting that you mentioned the the scream factory blu-ray that um just got issued um when they posted that news, uh, I was like really interested if they were going to put mm-hmm. any new special features on them. Oh, yeah. Just port them over. Me too. And they had a new interview with Jeffrey Jones. Now, this is, you know, for, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Jeffrey Jones has had some, some troubles over the past 10-ish years, 10, 15 yeah. years. So about, yeah, probably the last 10 years it's become even more yeah. in the light. You this know. this this man who who kind of was you know well known for Amadeus and Ferris Bueller, kind of this Howard, Howard the Duck, Howard the Duck, Beetlejuice, you know yeah. he's he's well known as being kind of a, a, a benchmark of eighties films. Um and and you know for a lot of people those are the movies that you grew up on and that's your childhood. You like Jeffrey Jones, I know that fucking guy. But uh, to find out that I believe like, what's what's the real story here that he was in. Thailand or Cambodia or something with with child sex slaves or something like that. There was that, and then Porno- the other child thing, pornography. Yeah, like I remember when um, uh, Paul Rubens, who's really good friends with Jeffrey Jones, at least yeah. was he. Um, he got arrested or at least like taken in by the cops because they found a computer at Paul Rubens' house with right. child pornography, but. It wasn't actually Paul Rubin. Like he knew nothing about it. Right. He was actually just holding it for Jeffrey Jones. And right. it's like, oh my and it's really sad, like you said, this eighties like icon, like character actor who, you know, even like later on with Sleepy Hollow and stuff uh-huh. like a Tim yeah, yeah. a Tim Burton staple and like directors loved working with him. But if you notice like in the last ten years his like work has dried up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's sad that it's like, you know, this darkness comes out and you go, Can I I mean, I still watch the performances, and I still love the performances. I just mm-hmm. don't love the guy anymore. Yeah, and that's kind of like how I separate the two. It's difficult. Like I, I, I'm interested in that because it's difficult to divorce for me. You know? Oh, it's and, very hard. And those those elements too that he always kind of played cantankerous uh, characters in in many of his films, but he always seemed so cordial, like an everyman. Especially in this movie, he's kind of the gentle person. He's the one that you kind of like when he does come back, and he he's a, he's a cannibal, uh, having been been saved by Colonel Ives. Um, I, I like that element to him. He's so he's joyous. He just lightens yeah. up the room. 
but to, to know that in truth, in reality, there's a, a real darkness that I, you know, I can only hope he's, uh, he's sought help for. Um, but yeah, this new interview, you know, on the, on the disc, it's, it's, it's enlightening. It's good to see him, you know, nowadays and kind of giving his, uh, his background to, to the movie, which he, he obviously has a lot of affinity for, uh, Ravenous. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's always kind of this, this weird blemish for me. Like when I talk about this movie, he, since he, he plays, he's of that ensemble. He plays such a big part. He actually makes it towards the end of the movie where most of them are dispatched at the cave. Um, yeah, no, when I rewatch this movie, that's, that's always the thing that's weirdly in the back of my mind, you know? I know. I know. I mean, I'm glad, like, I'm the same way, like with certain actors when I, I mean, but then again, like that means I I can't ever like any technically any Roman Polanski. Film. Sure, yeah, yeah. But I do, but I do, but then I kind of feel dirty about it. Yeah. But then, but then again, like before I knew all that stuff, like I I liked the film. But right. then, should that actually taint the film? Same thing with right. Woody Allen films and, and Cosby thing. now and oh, Cosby. With, with Bill Cosby. Yeah. I mean, and it's a shame because then I go, hmm, what. Well, you know, especially especially with someone like you know, if if it's like someone that did something horrible to women or to children, yeah. Yeah. and then you watch a film with yeah. them with a child yeah. or with a woman or yeah. God, whatever the case may be, yeah, it does tarnish that image right. to a point. But like, I I try my best, and I mean, one person I can't do that with at all is like the director, um, was it Victor Salva? Who made the Jeepers Creepers films yes, and right, Clown right. with Clown well, House? What's the story with him? I forget. Well, Victor Salva, when he was making, I think it was his first film, Clown House, which is a really, you know, good creepy film about these, you know, people breaking out of like an insane asylum, dressed up as clowns, and tormenting this child. Right. And in real life, Victor Salva was tormenting that child by like molesting uh. the child actor and stuff. And then the thing is. When you find that out, then you know this is a weird seg, you know, like a weird, you know, getting away from the topic. But with his thing, all his films, or at least all the ones I watch, like Powder, and, <laughs> right, and the Jeepers Creepers films are very um, male, like young male mm-hmm. yeah. being like you know, you know, bullied or yeah. tormented or tortured or so- something. Yeah. And then I go, well, okay. I guess in a weird way that's better than actually going out and right. doing awful things. But no, I mean, you know, he was a, you know, not even just accused. He went to jail, sure. I believe, for it. Sure. You know, and and that's why like his career was put on hold between Clown House and Powder. And yeah, it's it's kind of weird that it's so people. Man. No, it really is. And yeah. I mean, yeah, we're all human. We but there's certain things you go. Hmm. Yeah, like no. what? Yeah, exactly. If you yeah. found out that someone in Ravenous oh. turned out to really be a cannibal, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be as I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be as mad about that. Like if Robert Car- if Robert Carlyle <laughs> turned out to be like they found his wife killed and and like mm-hmm. cut up in his like he turned out to be Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, I mean, <laughs> wife wife killed maybe not. Yeah, that that's a little bad. But if it was like. You know, killed and ate a awful like murderer, right? Or child rapist. Well, <laughs> then I'd just, be like, did you just turn him into Dexter? Like he's doing yeah, good yeah. by killing bad men, <laughs> exactly. or even even to an extent, um, you know, technically, the idea of Hannibal Lecter is he would 
you know, he wasn't really he didn't yeah. kill innocents. Yeah, he, he killed other so like bad guys. serial killers or just awful people. <laughs> and I, I can understand that more. You know, I could be kind of okay a little bit with that vigilante justice. Right. You know, it's like why John. I love it's like John. Much. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking like John Cusack in Ghost Point Blank when he's saying, oh, man. "Well, I killed all the people I did were bad. All the people I killed were bad." Yeah. I mean, it makes it makes to me that makes more sense. Right. You know, um, but yeah, getting back on topic. No, I, I think that that's that that colors it a bit. But luckily, you yeah. have other great performances. Jeffrey Davies, uh, Jeremy Davies. Sorry, get, yeah. getting off of uh, just coming off of um, Saving Private Ryan the year before. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting um, I, comparing the performances. I think Jeremy Davies has as an as a character actor, especially like recently seeing him on on Justified. He's such a He's such a broad character um, actor, but he has these idiosyncrasies that he carries through all of them. He always kind of plays an off-kilter personality, whatever he's playing. You're right. There's not all, no. He's not altogether normal in a way, you know? Even on Lost, he was kind yeah. of weird, you know, a little, little yeah. strange. But a little off. Yeah, a little, always a little off, but it's weird because, like, I'm really amazed that this guy doesn't work in more movies. Yeah, I mean, he's doing a lot of TV, which is very it, to me. A lot of like actors do TV because it's it's not even that it's just better money, but it's constantly getting money. Right, and that makes more sense to me. Like you know, Justified. I know he's right now. He's doing that uh, Texas Rising, which is kind of funny mm-hmm. going yeah, around right. that same time period. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Kind of creepy. That, but he kind of has that look. And and you know, I I yeah. Whenever it's a Jeremy Davies move, you know, he's in a film, I kind of like get excited because I'm like, okay. I know yeah. he's going to put on a great performance, and yeah, Ravenous is no. He's going to be exception. a highlight. I just, oh, I just, yeah. I, rem- I remember, um, just not like uh, about a week ago, I rewatched Secretary, and I okay. forgot that he was the boyfriend in Secretary, and That's he's bringing it, man. He's fucking bringing his Jeremy Davies self to it. He's got this kind of like weird um, uh, feeling with Maggie Gyllenhaal, you know, this weird kind of like relationship with her, and I'm like, that's that's why I watch movies with him in it. Yeah, he's actually really good also in the uh, Solaris remake. Yes, like, yes, he is. is very underrated like performance in that because people forget it's not just George Clooney in it. Yeah, exactly. But, but but yeah, no, he yeah, I'm glad you're a Davies fan too because yeah, he's he always brings it. Right. And, and he's a weird he's a weird guy. Like I, I love his IMDb photo. He, <laughs> yeah. he has that Crispin Glover look going on. He does. That's what I, that you know right. what you got it. The Crispin Glover <laughs> wavelength. That is Jeremy Davies. He's on yeah. that. He's on that. Um, uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate that Neil McDonough is kind of blinking. You miss him, kind of in this because yeah, he's dispersed he's quick. But he's great, exactly. And his purpose of being there to kind of emasculate Boyd even further by being the 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 super soldier. Um, yeah. Is great when they're in the when they're in the cave and uh, the whole point of you know it's, it's supposed to be that Captain John Boyd Guy Pierce right. is supposed to be the man in charge but Private Reich the whole time is like you sure you want to go do that and he's like always smiling and kind of yeah. like you know making sure that he knows that well I can do this can you do this yeah yeah I mean uh, he's a dick but I love it like he's great. Well, you get you, when you get like when you get introduced to this whole uh, camp and the people in it. His only flash, the only flash you see of Neil McDonough is in a cold, like, river, <laughs> like, straining his <laughs> muscles going, ah, you know? Yeah. Right there. That's all, that's all you need to know about the character. You don't even need to know any background about him. No, you don't. 
But, and that's the thing. And I love when he mentions him and he goes, you don't really want to know him, I think. So you don't want to <laughs> yeah, get to know him. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you stay out of oh. his way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, these, this, this ensemble does a great job. I've said it uh, time and time again just in this podcast. But it's, it, it, this ensemble does a great supporting thing because even when they are – dispatched there's this element of uh how the tide turns and 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 how they affect that kind of relationship that bringing together of colonel ives and boyd which is very much it's um it's almost like a you know a, a detective and a, and a jewel thief or you know a, a cop and a and a criminal or a drug dealer or something there's there's this element of skirting that uh, playing with fire and skirting that kind of game with the devil, um, and and Robert Carlyle is so you know in a way he, I think of those the the best performances where it's just it's you know he's horrible you know he's terrible like Alonzo Harris like like Denzel Washington in in Training yeah. Day is so horrible and disgusting but he's so fucking sexy that he makes you yeah. want to hang out with him and Carlyle's exactly the same. Yeah, you, you want to get a pint with the guy. You're exactly. like, even though you might not agree with what he's talking about, but he's very good at convincing you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he does that with, you know, Jeffrey Jones's character where he does, you know, I mean, rightfully so. He convinces him by, like, he was feeding him human <laughs> body. And that's and, and then he, I guess he saw the healing properties. So, right. But, yeah, no, I mean, but that, but to me, that's like Carlisle in a nutshell, like, where... He's just he's kind of like that guy that comes into a room at a party and everyone stops yeah. to yeah, go yeah. look at him and go, "Oh my god, who's this guy?" Yeah, yeah. And and you want to like you just want to like talk to this guy, you want to hang out with him. And yeah, even though he's, like you said, he's got the Manson thing going on. <laughs> like it's it, but but you know what? Charles Manson was that yeah, same type of guy. Even exactly. though he was a, a psychopath. Yeah. People just wanted to around him he knew it he knew how to uh uh, win friends and influence people you know the the thing is too um i i I like that um a couple people over my my uh time with this film being obsessed with this film a couple people that i've shown it to um kind of get stuck on on minutia and kind of uh the semantics of the tide turning about uh, around the time that the, the the cave incident happens and you find out who Colonel Ives really is, um, there's this element that they can't buy into, and I don't I don't exactly know why. Uh, the The movie is set up to be kind of otherworldly, um, yeah. uh, fantastical. Um, it's it's a vampire tale or cannibal tale in a way. So the element of getting stuck on well. Uh, uh, Calhoun uh, Ives gets shot in the sh- in the in the shoulder, and all of a sudden, in you know later in the scene when he comes up as as Colonel Ives at the fort, uh, he's got no uh, no bullet hole, and you know he's got no wound. But uh, you know the idea we keep coming back to that the the uh, the, the Wendigo myth kind of heals yeah. completely heals you. I mean, you have to do something. You have to you have to kind of suspend disbelief. I mean, you're going into a fantastical era where consuming the human body makes you you know not only absorb that person but you know become this this Nietzsche type superhuman. I mean, it even starts with a Nietzsche uh, quote at the beginning of the fucking movie. It's almost a yeah. giveaway. No, it's a giveaway, and it, and it's basically right away when we find out more about the character. It's it's talked about how you know he had tuberculosis, and right. and in that era, 
you died from tuberculosis. Right. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. don't. This is you weren't. Yeah. You weren't going to survive TB. So, exactly. for someone like that to survive that, and I, I can believe that a shot in the um, shoulder will heal and go away. I mean, when Jeffrey Jones comes back, he should be dead. Right. He was stabbed repeatedly and like basically right. he was being gutted. Right. But there's Carlisle, always but that's you know? a, but that's that element too. I love that scene when he finds the the knife in his little ditch that he buried, you know, and yeah. what you were talking about his dance and he's kind of like uh, like a dog like snarling like almost yeah. rabid. And uh, when he does uh, 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 stab Jeffrey Jones and like cut him up, um, I love this little element that when he's playing cat and mouse with Je- uh, with Jeremy Davies and telling him to run, you know, so he can he can chase after him. That one element that he drapes his coat over yes. uh, Jeffrey Jones, almost like you know, let me let me keep this warm, you know. I can yeah, imagine right. after everything goes down, he comes back and checks on the body. Oh, oh, you got a little bit of life in you. Let me let me give you a little food. You'll be all right. <laughs> well, it's, and like you said, it's it's the vampiric nature of this film where right. a vampire you know spreads yeah the yeah. vampire you know disease and right. by the end jeffrey jones even though at first he's jovial about it like this is great aren't we civilized but right away like right away he hates himself right. for what he's done he hates himself for killing Knox right in cold blood and he begs boyd to kill him right like please make it quick yeah and i kind of love that like you know turn where it's yeah like you know, we've seen that in like you know well-made vampire films mm-hmm. and even zombie films are hell. You know, rewatching um, the fly on the big screen and where you know Brundle Fly at the end yep. is taking the gun from Gina, Gina Davis and putting it to, the, to its, uh, its yeah. head and mm-hmm. please kill me. Yeah, and it's like he doesn't have to say it, but you know that's what. And ultimately, you have to because that's the only way they'll get any release. You know, the pain yeah. will be gone. Yeah. No, I do. I do like that. It, run, it runs that kind of gamut of being you're you're on one extreme or the other. If you if you kind of take uh, uh, um, uh, Colonel Ives' diet plan, <laughs> you're either yeah. going to become Ives or maybe to the other extreme of hating yourself and maybe becoming more Boyd-like. No, yeah. oh, for sure. But I mean, the thing with like the the Calhoun Ives character, like with Carlisle, like. To, to this day, I mean, I know, you know, he's supposed to, like, what, you know, he was, he was Ives before, but, right. but was he? Or is he just taking these, car- you know, people that he's killed? Sure. And, like, you know, the whole energy thing and oh, taking yeah. their power. Right. Like, who, who was he right. originally? Was right. he Calhoun? Was right. You he don't Ives? really, you don't really know his past. Yeah, it's almost like he, he, he takes this, he, he goes from place to place and acclimates. You, you know, it's also this element yeah. of, of, a, of an untrustworthy narrator because even yeah. that story about his tuberculosis could be bullshit. We don't right. even know that. No, exactly. And, and I, I lo- like, to me, to see that and, like, even rewatching it tonight, thinking about that again and going, yeah, who, like, you know, who is this, who is this man? Like, we will never know. And that's kind of like what I love about it. Right. Where, you know, we could have this discussion about it and like, no, he, he might have been someone else before. And, you know, did he have tuberculosis, like you said, or did he have something worse or mm-hmm. like or is he just a crazy person? Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and convincing these people that they're getting cured. That's the charm. Yeah, that's the charm you know? of it. Mm-hmm. Going from yeah. from town to town. I, I think of um, God, what was the what was that movie with? Uh, oh, God, I'm going to. Um, the devil and Daniel Webster. I think oh, of the yeah, devil yeah. coming to town and making, you know, making a, a, um, a 
deals, negotiating with people for their souls. Um, yeah, man, that's pretty much, you know, that's pretty much the overview that I kind of wanted to talk about. You know, this movie is oh, something sure. that I that I uh, am so obsessed with and I do find a time to, to watch it one or two times a year. It's just really fantastic. Oh, same um, here. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about specifically? Any scenes? Anything that you really enjoy that you kind of like pick up on every time you watch it? That's a, no, I mean, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. Um, well, I mean, the one thing I want, not even a scene, but like the whole Antonia Bird, um, yeah. her getting involved, it's because, you know, Robert Carlyle really loved working with her, with yeah. her on Priest and yeah. Face, yeah. which are two really good films. And But th- those aren't, like you watch those films, that's you know, you wouldn't think the person who made those two exactly would make something like this. And exactly. it's kinda like the whole thing, her coming on. It makes sense, like, oh, let me just jump in. And I and to me that's a very brave thing for a filmmaker to do that maybe that wasn't her usual forte, but mm-hmm. she you know, she did what 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 she had and exactly. did really well. But I'm trying to think of like specific scenes. I mean, so, you know, it's good that you bring it up too because she's she acclimated to that like in less than a week, in six days. Yeah. And to imagine that someone comes on and and the cast and crew are already disgruntled because of the shit that's been going on behind the production, and to be able to win them over and kind of get them on this, like you know, it's clear that this was not a box office smash. Uh, no. It was it was a failure. It was not um, pretty much, it, it wasn't a, a benchmark at the time for anybody's career. It didn't get anyone noticed. Um, I think that Antonio Bird has only made like four feature films and yeah, she's worked yeah, a lot mostly of TV. in TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. did a lot of TV. Actually, to be honest, after, after Ravenous, um, actually, you know what, let me, you know what, yeah, uh, it's actually true. Right. After Ravenous, she never made a feature film again. Right. I, I remember. I remember even reading in that article, that Andrew Parker uh, article that I mentioned. Yeah. That she was going to. She's been. She was working for like ten or fifteen years to get another one off the ground. Right. Um, and never happened. It's it's a shame. <clears throat> like, but it like is. you know, but you have that. But then with like someone like Robert Carlyle, you know, he had done. You know, before this, you know, you had Full Monty right. like a couple of years before, and a couple right. years before that was Train Spotting. Right. But after this, which is weird, he the the following actually the same year, so he's probably filming it either before or after. But it was the world is not enough. Right. Exactly. Which, yeah. You know, which you know, it's not not really a good film. <laughs> didn't didn't but, blow up his career either. I don't think. But, well, it, I mean, it, it made his name more known, and then since then. I mean, he has, he's been on that show Once Upon a Time, yeah, which, uh-huh. which is funny because like, I've only watched a few episodes with my girlfriend. Uh-huh. It's like one of her guilty pleasures, so she'll yeah, probably yeah. hate for saying that <laughs> because she doesn't want people knowing. But <laughs> to be honest, though, like, you know, well, going back to what we were saying before, he's the best part of that show because he's Rumpelstiltskin yeah, and he's so conniving and like just a piece of crap on absolutely. it. But, 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 and, but here's the other thing. Guy Pierce. The year after he did Memento, right, right, which I think, kind of like you know what I mean, like that man. to me that's a, but again it didn't blo- it, it didn't do well in theaters either, right, but it right. showed oh man this guy's a I mean record, you know? I mean Guy Pierce's career from then on I think oh. I think it's great that it that this movie especially is getting um, especially among our our group it's getting more and more explored and discovered every day. 
I love that it's on the tips of tongues and being talked about in a community like the GGTMC and, and online yeah. when I'm talking about it. But I mean, like, yeah, you look at the trajectory of Guy Pierce. I mean, from then, from, from LA Confidential to the Rover, he's done oh. so much. He's run the spectrum to fucking... When he did oh, that yeah. cameo in Hurt Locker... At the yes. beginning, that alone was like worth the price of admission for me. I love when when actors like that have don't have the ego that they need to be the spotlight. That they're just going to be fucking window dressing, or they're going to be there to as a garish to to just make it uh, make a movie even better. No, you're right. He's he's what you could tell. He's not a selfish actor. Yes, yeah. he'll he'll like like in something like I wasn't a, like a big fan of it, but I I I like the performances in it. But it was like lawless. Yeah, where uh-huh. he's like you know as Charlie Rakes, he's like not a not a really pretty character in the right. fi- in the film. But again, amazing. Even something like Lockout, which yes. should be a piece of shit. <laughs> it's Space Jail, okay? It is Space Jail, yeah. But he's fantastic yes. in it, and you're yeah, like, yeah. oh man, I can't keep my eyes off of him. Like he's great, but yeah, like even Iron Man three, I loved him in. Like he's yep. ridiculous, you yep. know, and. Even like Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, yep. which I was surprised when I'm like, oh, he's in Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Like, <laughs> okay, but yeah, you're right. Like, you look, The Road, Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, he mm-hmm. he goes all over the place. Like, he'll do a huge, like, $150 million movie like Prometheus. Yes. Uh-huh. But then he'll go to, like you said, The Rover, which, you know, lower budget, but like him and Robert Pattinson oh are God, putting yeah. on a clinic. Fucking, fucking gut punch of acting right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he's one of those guys that, I always want to see, and you know, I'm glad, you know, with him, it's not something that like ruined his career. Instead, mm-hmm. like him and Carlisle are still these two sought after actors, like of varying degrees, but yeah. where you know you're going to get something like quality yeah. from those two guys. Yeah, and that's what you get from this movie. I mean, there oh. are such great performances from both of them, and like I said, you know, all these character actors. I mean, I love ensembles like this where you. You have you paint you paint the picture, and everybody has their little corner, their little bush, you know, their little mountain, their little scene to to play with, and it's memorable. You know, even David Arquette has a memorable scene in this movie. Yeah, Fucking no, Jeremy that. Davies, he kills it in, at the at the in the cave scene. Um, just all of them, all of them have the, these elements, and none of them. Like they all have those spotlight moments, and none of them are really forgettable. You know, that's that's a sign of a really truly well made ensemble when you can bring someone together and they have that much chemistry across the board. Yeah. Oh, um, not not to say it, but my girlfriend just texted me because she's actually watching Ravenous yes. as we speak, as yes. you and I speak. And this is what she texted me: "You were right. This movie is so fucking good." Yes. So there we go. Another, another convert into the uh, ravenous <laughs> religion here. Okay, let's 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 uh, wrap up. Let's do a little Definitely. plug action. Every time you come on here, I gotta say, look, I I love James for the simple reason that he's always keeping it real, keeping keeping busy. Um, you now have another venture. Another Tumblr. You're doing. You're doing something that's that's for the people. The people that want to hear your stories, right? You're a natural storyteller. Yeah, I mean, okay, I mean, because it's weird, because like you know, podcasting is still my love. Like I yes. still want to do it, but it's really hard to like. I always give credit to you know guys like you and everyone else, like the GGTMC and all these other people that can still do it, like you know, 
on a constant basis. Yeah, and it's like, hard. Like, it's hard, man. No, it, it's very hard. And, and, that's, and that's the thing. Like, you know, there's ideas I have. Like, my girlfriend, we want to do a podcast. There's other ideas I have. And it's kind of like, it's, it's almost that fear. Like, I have that weird thing in my head. Like, well, if, if, if I do it and it sucks, then I'll be a failure. It's hard. It's yeah, a stupid it's idea hard. to have yeah, yeah. that. That's, it's awful because yeah, yeah. it's kind of like almost what made me not get into podcasting was when I was asked to do it. And it's like, Oh well, I've never done it before. You want it to be I, good. I'm probably gonna suck. Yeah. yeah, I want to be the best. You yeah, know what I mean, I don't want to put something subpar. Yeah, but sometimes you have to just kind of wing it and see what happens. But yeah, man. But right now, yeah, like a thing that I just kind of stumbled upon because I, you know, to be honest, I don't even remember who kind of jokingly said like because, you know, writing stories on like on Facebook of all places. Right. Right. Um, just observations. Going, it started just as observations, right? Right, no, it's it's basically me just kind of keeping an open eye and open ear and venting, and, also, <laughs> and, and, and venting, and also, you know, not even just because I live in New York, but because I I have this weird magnet of crazy people <laughs> that come up to me, like they must think I'm crazy or something, so they right. start talking to me or interacting with me in some way, or I just know, like being in New York City, a lot of people just kind of um, block it out. They they put right. on the blinders right. and. You know, when someone's, you know, dancing while taking a shit in the corner, they're blocking that. Me, I'm, you know, horrified but also watching it. So I'm writing, you know, I'm also writing about it down. So that's how, you know, my little thing called the McCormick Chronicles started. Um, yeah, basically just kind of like, oh, let me just write a little story that happened to me either today or mm-hmm. the day before or mm-hmm. years ago and doing the hashtag McCormick Chronicles. And at first, you know... It you know it was a little bit and then you know now I'm getting like more and more likes and like you know people going like oh my god when's the next one coming out like I have people at my job like where I'm writing about stuff that they either witness <laughs> yeah. or but they like want to read me right they want to read it through your it. through your eyes yeah yeah because they see the anger and they understand the anger and they understand especially in retail or living in a big city yeah you know we deal with a lot of this shit but I just like to you know even like you know. People that I actually like, you know, value their opinion of like writing, you know, writers and going right. like, wow, you know, you need to write more often. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know it's just it's hard, but like, no, do it. So it's kind of like how it was almost like a writing exercise, like trying to write more often mm-hmm. was how this thing came about. And then writing, writing like this actually became fun. Right. And the, 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 that's kind of what it was. Like I wanted to find something fun again. And it's kind of. People want to, you know, that's how it kind of like, and then I finally like put the Tumblr out, which I'm right. going to try to update more often and right. with exclusives, which right. is kind of funny. But yeah, I Definitely. mean, you know, ultimately like, you know, kind of like want to, you know, get a book from this, you know, yeah. which I'm yeah. just trying to, trying to think of ideas to kind of flesh it out and like bring they're it. Great. To- they're, they're great vignettes, man. Like you have the, the idea of like, you're a naturally good storyteller. And the thing is, is that the tempo of these, you know, it, 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 it might seem 
really trivial to someone, you say, oh, yeah. well, I put this on, on Facebook and, you know, it was just my status that day or whatever. Yeah. But what people don't understand, and this is the sell for it, is that James really does have this this good storytelling spirit to it, that it has this this unfolding beat by beat type thing and you you do have this element of almost a, a, telling a joke that the punchline here you go here's the slammer at the end here's the fucking you know here's the turn here's the twist and yeah. there's this element that they're just uh, enjoyable to 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 uh read because they they you paint a very good picture and it also really does a, a good job of of kind of painting life living in in a city and working in retail man you do a really good job of capturing that so that tumbler i'm really looking forward to man i appreciate that yeah that means a lot to me because it's kind of like like i said stumbling upon something is sometimes the best way yeah. to find out oh okay Absolutely. that's why that's why you know it, it kind of got me because you know before this you know like like two years ago like after my big breakup and stuff i kind of got into this really bad depression right. and right. it kind of like threw my whole life out of out of whack so a lot of the writing stuff kind of went out the door so right. kind of ruined that for a while so this has helped me kind of you know also you know self-medication yeah almost yeah you yeah know? everyone needs this kind of diary man everyone needs this kind of like creative outlet yeah i mean it's better than like i'll have some people just go like oh man you know my cereal's cold or they're like like what like really that's what you wrote about today like you could have wrote something so much better you know fuck (laughs) you because twitter was built on (laughs) tweets like that okay right a whole whole empire if i I look if i look at my old my my first tweets i'd be be scared like wow what's this thing i'm on (laughs) why am i wasting my time on here you're you're fistful of media on twitter yep you're you're still you're still showing up on criterion cast yeah, I might be on the next episode because um, in the next few weeks because we're doing uh, Anatomy of a Murder. Nice. At least I, that's what I believe the film's going to be. Don't take my word for it. But <laughs> if that's a film, I'm going to be on it. If nice. it's something else, I'm not going to be. Nice. James, thank you so much, man. I'm glad to have you know another person that, to, to, to share my, my obsessions with. And, and Ravenous is one of them. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it'll be sooner than later yeah. this time. Hell yeah! Next okay. time on, you know. Absolutely, man. You're gonna become my 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 permanent co-host. You you asked me nicely, man. I fucking have you as soon as you want. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Okay, man. man. Have a good one, dude. You too. See ya.